when I started out in 2002, we thought that, okay, good communication is possible if you speak good language. Language skills are really a prerequisite to good communication skills. I learned so much from my participants because many of them, some of them had very good English. I remember one person, I've forgotten his name, telling me that his English is quite good, but he doesn't know how to start a conversation with a client. He says, what do I say? When, how do, what do I talk? It was at that time I realized that communicating for business, you should know not just English, but you should also have a knowledge of business. You should have knowledge of what each culture requires. Namaste. Hello. Welcome to Prunership Diaries. I'm Shweta, your host for this show. Each week, I interview either solo pruners or entrepreneurs or mom pruners or side pruners from varied fields and expertise. If starting a business is on your mind and you want to learn the nitty-gritties of running a business or you want to become a solo pruner, jump right in. Let's explore the intricacies of taking charge of your own business. Today, we have with us Mrs. Lalita Murthy. She's a business English consultant and trainer working to improve business communication of employees in large organizations. She has been a teacher for 20 years before she moved to training in 2002. Since then, she has created customized solutions to communication problems faced by employees, especially by IT engineers. She's also a business English trainer for the Beck suite of examinations offered by the University of Cambridge. She's also worked with the CSR department of some organizations, creating courses in business communication that prepare students at colleges in rural areas to adapt easily to the global workplace. She has presented at many conferences, both in India and other places across the globe. She has been a member of the BSIC IATFL, which is the Business English Special Interest Group of the International Association for Teachers of English as a Foreign Language since 2005. She is also the convener of Business English Special Interest Group of LTI, which is English Language Association of India. Thank you, ma'am, for joining me on this show. I'm so glad and honored to have you here. It's my pleasure, Shweta. I love to talk to people and definitely you. Thank you so much, ma'am. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. To set the context, you started your career as a teacher and then married an army officer and where you traveled to a new place every two years. And in our previous conversations, you have mentioned that the career choices that you took were more by accident than planning. Could you please elaborate on that? Um, actually, I started my teaching career after I got married. Mm -hmm. Probably I Im immediately after my post-graduation, within six months, while I was getting a job as a lecturer in the university, I got engaged and I got engaged to an army officer. So even then I knew that we would be traveling quite a bit. And in those days, careers where women were very limited. And almost all our postings, his postings have been in small towns. And we have never stayed in any town for more than two and a half, three years. So the only career which I could actually pursue, though in fits and starts, were teaching. And teaching in schools, because not every place had a college. For example, we were in a place called Aknur, where the nearest college was in Jammu. We'd have to travel quite a bit. 
but I love teaching. It's not that because I had nothing else, I took up teaching. I love teaching and I enjoy interacting with people and children, actually young adults. I've never enjoyed teaching smaller children, but I enjoy interacting with young adults. It's always even now. And because I think mentally you remain young when you keep interacting with young people, especially those with whom you can have a rational conversation. And that's how I started. But um, my husband retired in 97 and we took up a job in TCS, Tata Consultancy Services, as head of admin. 98, he joined, 98, 99. And he had actually, that was the time in the Cambridge School Suite of Exams and just Cambridge University had just introduced their Beck exams in India. And he had got the admin staff to do a Beck hire. And he came and told me, see, your English is so much better than all those people. Why don't you do this? And I just by chance, I took up the training for Beck. And later on, um, I was working for a company which had a mandate to do English training, which got a, suddenly got, you know, it was actually a company doing video lessons for school children. But they got project for doing English business communication with Infosys, which I designed that course of 14 hours and two of us did that. And Mrs. Ramadurai met me once and she said, why don't you do for TCS? And that's how I joined TCS. I hadn't actually applied for a job in TCS. But having said that, I think that was the biggest turning point in my life. Because Working with TCS, I started in 2003, you know, the kind of freedom we had to experiment and do. And I was really allowed a lot of leeway. If I wanted to do something, it was approved very easily. At that time, TCS was very small, 2,000 people in Bangalore. But uh, I got so much support from the top management. I don't think I've grown that much in those 13 years I was in TCS as I have grown in all my years in my life. So the 13 years on TCS was such a turning point and such a learning experience. That's why I realized that you should jump in if you get an opportunity. And that was an opportunity which I just grabbed. And I should, till today, I thank all the top brass in TCS for what I am. Wow, that's wonderful, ma'am. Well, I have a follow-up question to that. Uh, Was it a challenge to shift from teaching a predefined syllabus and to come up with your own training module when you were a trainer? Actually, you know, in the beginning, I didn't realize that it'll be so much of a challenge. What happened was, when I started out in 2002, we thought that, okay, good communication is possible if you speak good language. Language skills are really a prerequisite to good communication skills. I learned so much from my participants because many of them, some of them had very good English. I remember one person, I've forgotten his name, telling me that his English is quite good, but he doesn't know how to start a conversation with a client. He says, what do I say? I mean, how do, what do I talk? It was at that time I realized that communicating for business, you should know not just English, but you should also have a knowledge of business. You should have knowledge of what each culture requires. Because certain cultures, certain opening sentences are not permitted. For example, you may be fond of cricket, but you just can't go and talk about cricket to an American. He has absolutely no clue. Well, a British client may be happy to discuss with you the ashes and things like that. So to understand the audience 
and create a course is what i learned that two things are very important when you create a course one you understand the purpose of the course why are you actually conducting the course are you conducting them so that they become better in english or are you creating the course so that they can interact better with their international clients so the purpose and the audience are very two very important challenges when you create a customizer course so now even whenever i create a course i always ask myself why and who first why am i creating this course what is the objective what does the company require from this course what do the participants require is the perceived need of the participants same as their actual need if like for example some participants may think i really don't need sessions in english but they are not aware of the differences in their use of language politeness culture etc so they probably that would help a perceived need actual need demands of the job demands of their particular role all this comes into when you are customizing a course basic course creation is what they are what they need and filling the gap moving from what they are to what they need and another big challenge in when you create a course structure is the level of the participants are always very different even if their level of language is the same for example if you have a class with freshers and with people with say 10 years experience it's going to be a very big challenge because the freshers are really not aware of the challenges which a business person faces by the time you do about 5 years in your it company then you are very clear on what all you don't know while a fresher is not clear on what he doesn't know so even if you teach something he may not really absorb it but a person with 5 years experience understands the challenges and he can get maximum out of that course having said that when you're creating a course only for freshers then your focus will be slightly different i did a recently a course for uh, on business writing for students of a management school now 90% of them have no work experience so to imagine that a business email can cause problems is beyond them they really cannot imagine how you know you only think from yourself to teach your participants on thinking of the audience before they write thinking of the audience before they speak is something which i think i need to do with every go cross i do plain so this is how i go about i see what they need what they do because all business communication mainly covers three areas presentations meetings negotiations introductions and greetings you see that is for the very basic people like uh, very junior people introductions and greetings they may require otherwise how do you present yourself orally with or without a ppt so presentations then you have to tell them how to conduct themselves in meetings how do you talk how do you interrupt etc then how do you negotiate that you can't really break a trust when you negotiate you have to be very careful not to hurt the other person think of the feelings of the people and finally of course writing where you need to be really really clear clarity in writing is something i emphasize thank you so much for that ma'am there is sufficient key learnings you know, that goes with a business communication we might think you know communication is just about if i know how to talk then probably you can go ahead with it but i think there's so much more into it as you mentioned that you should know whom you're talking to and the way you present yourself be it in written or uh, your body language 
and of course, while negotiating with clients and uh, in a business perspective, I think it's very much needed. So moving on to the next question, as you mentioned, people are at different levels. One could be a beginner and the other person could be an experienced person. Uh, so that leads me to the question of uh, how do you go about preparing a core structure, keeping these points in mind? This is basically, as I told you, it is moving from where you are. You First, you do a diagnostic test or a needs analysis. Earlier, we used to do a diagnostic test, but now I realize when you do a diagnostic test, people, the participants feel that they are being tested and they really don't like it. So now the recent last one, one and a half years have stopped giving a diagnostic test. What I do instead is I give them a, I talk, I have a first one-on-one with the HR or the training manager of that company. Then I have one-on-one with a project manager who has asked for the course, what he expects from his students. Then with them, we discuss on what we are planning to achieve by the end of a course. Because you see, you can very often, some people want a short course of 15, 20 hours or even a short course of one or two days. Language and communication is a skill. It doesn't have certain principles which you can teach and then they learn the principles and they become good communicators. It's not that easy. They need to practice. Therefore, we talk to them and uh, I decide on the key issues they want to address. Then I prepare a needs analysis. Uh, The needs analysis is based on what CEFR scales, it's a Council of Europe Framework of Reference, has scales of language learning. Based on these scales, they have what they call can-do states. At each level, a person can do something. So we drop a needs analysis based that I can do. He can do this. He can do that. And I take about 20 of them, decide I sent about 50 and I ask the training manager and the head of the project to narrow it down to 20 of what they want to address. He's able to write clearly. He's able to talk politely, whatever he can do. So the 15 can-do statements taken from the CEFR new manual, 20 of them, I put it in an Excel sheet and I ask participants to answer yes or no, because then they should feel that they need it. It's not that I feel or the manager feels that he needs it. The participants should have some stake in that. They should say that, yes, I need this. Instead of saying a diagnostic set and say, you need this. That is like a school teacher. So once they recognize what they need, then I see which most of them need. If the parties, there are 20 participants in the class, I don't take more than 20 in any sessions I do. Then whatever most of them want, definitely we address. And what's the manager wants, I sneak in in the course structure. Because sometimes, you know, it may be just as an exercise. When, For example, pronunciation. Many people don't think they need to change. Indians especially think that they don't need to change their pronunciation. So what I do, I have whenever I have a speaking class or a speaking session, I tell them that how to be articulate and clear when they speak. It need not be. And if there are any words which are badly pronounced so that you can't understand the meaning, then I call the participants separately and tell them it would help you if you could do this, but not in front of the whole class so that I don't want people to feel small, especially Indians are very sensitive and touchy about this. But by and large, I have found that the participants who attend my classes have been very happy with the class and they wanted more. So I've never faced a problem of uh, poor feedback. So that's a different story. I hope that's clear. Yes, and you have given uh, much insight into that. Uh, so moving on, I mean, you have been a business English trainer, a soft skills trainer and a freelance consultant. So you do stress upon professional style of communication. So in that context, I would like to know, what is your take on social media platforms? Have they skewed communication in any way? 
as it sounds casual as they're on social media platforms or are they an important medium in today's virtual businesses what is your take on that actually you know social media is a tool you use the tool for certain things for example you want to be seen professionally you are on linkedin and you linkedin page you want to do something socially or on facebook if you want to say about anything about anything short snippets on twitter if you have a lot of visual presentation so each of the social media platforms are a tool to use i think all businesses use the platform they all have their own take on how they were going to use the social media platforms so all social media platforms are used however in and in today's businesses there's more casual style coming into being you're no longer a formal style of communication is no longer expected in fact the e simpler and easier to learn language is what has always been prescribed but now they are even less formal it doesn't really matter whether you call a person dear mr so and so or hi lalita or dear mrs murthy it really doesn't matter if the message is clear short and crisp now you whatsapp and other platforms or even chat any of the chat instant messaging platforms are okay for confirming you know oh will you be available for the meeting tomorrow yes or no can you just send this to me by tomorrow i mean i really cannot proceed any short messages is fine but anything which impacts business has always been in the written form whether we like it or not a simple things like um, even with you i chat with you a lot of times sometimes on social media but if you wanted me to do this you send me a formal email with the do's and don'ts so a formal email or what is expected by the engineers or by the employees is expected even with the client you cannot say i sent you a whatsapp message that i'll send you tomorrow and i forgot about it if even if he sends a whatsapp message he has to follow up email is important for whatsapp message is okay i've sent you something on your email please look that's fine for a whatsapp message but the main body of the message has to come in writing and surprisingly this was what was told by somebody i know who works in amazon us she says amazon has top presentations at ppts what they do when they have a meeting is they send a written document in advance on what they are going to discuss you are all supposed to have read the written documents come to the meeting and discuss what you are going to do there's no presentation where you have to see this and then so always writing so at the end of the meeting you sum up on what was discussed and send to each person what they were to there is no ppt ever there are discussions but based on a particular word document i think this is very true of american cultures which want everything in black and white and you know decided where writing is task based cultures maybe in india which is a relationship based cultures things may be different in some indian companies but if you are using virtual platforms you need to be more task based for example you need to if you're using a virtual platform for meeting you're using a virtual platform for anything you have to have things in writing and which is actually a proof of that thing that it existed nobody can once you send an email it's a proof that you've sent it on the day time everything is there it is present in the cloud people can't remove so i think that kind of reiteration of liability i mean saying that you got to do this kind of will not go in businesses in olden days it used to be on paper contracts used to be on paper so however much your relationship oriented culture where work is concerned i think we will go back to some kind of a writing professional virtue of communication will not go it may be through virtual mediums but communication would be required in writing i thought that makes it clear i hope yes ma'am so i totally agree with you on what you say that you know written communication is here to stay and it's also more so the business perspective in mind 
Moving on, you have traveled to many places. I know we have had conversations on that and uh, you were a part of many conferences. Uh, but I've heard you talk, I mean, even now that you mentioned that communication isn't about language and writing skills and there's more to it and culture does come into the picture. So does communication and culture work in sync? Could you share your experiences? Absolutely. You know, you can see communication, like I always say, it's not about, a tra- it's not just transactional it's not that i want some information you have given me an information i want i have complained you have apologized it's not a transaction it is highly interactional because communication touches the feelings of people it doesn't just tell you what to do what not to do what is right what is wrong therefore in both writing and speaking you should be clear not to offend my first experience in this was in TCS, I think in 2004, sometime as early as that. I was working for one of the projects where the project manager came and said that um, he had got an email from his uh, client saying it's a shame. He had uh, put something in. I mean, I think he had sent something on time or whatever. She has said good. And below that, she has written, it's a shame that you had to miss your SLA due to no fault of your own. Now, it's a shame. In Hindi, roughly translated, it says sharam ki baat hai. In English, it's a shame is an idiom which means how unfortunate. But this person interpreted it as it is something to be ashamed of. You know, literally translated in Hindi. So the complete meaning changes. The meaning of it's a shame is as being unfortunate is different if you say you have you have done something wrong to be shameful about. So he just deleted. He says, I don't want to share that with everybody. Then I had to explain to him, no, no, it's a shame means it's unfortunate. It's no fault of your own, of you. So these kind of language, first idiomatic usage or even simple idioms, people can misunderstand. Sometimes when you don't say anything, you say yes, even a word yes may sound as if you're saying reluctantly agreeing to something. So this I learned. Even a simple thing like going to a Starbucks in US, when they ask, they ask me, do you want milk with your coffee? I said, yes. Then my daughter piped in and said, yes, please. Because we don't add yes, please. We just say yes or no, because that's all. I mean, we don't think it's rude. But the person listening to you, if he's from another culture, may find what you say rude. So politeness and how politeness is interpreted in different cultures itself is a study. So language, especially in virtual communication, you have to be more explicit and you have to be careful about what you say so that you don't offend the other person and then he doesn't do what you want him to do. You know, a client or anybody. If you have to get something done from people, you need to be learned to be polite and in the way they understand politeness, not in the way that you understand politeness. So it Culture does definitely play an important part in communication, especially now when we are only doing virtual communication. So this reminds me of one particular sentence which I shared. I used to go to travel to ITP Hill through the bus, you know, we're using that Volvo buses. They had just come at that time. And it's almost, mine is almost a start point. So I would get a seat to sit down. And similarly, getting back also, I'd get a seat. So one day while I was going to office, I remember somewhere near Kundanahalli, you know, one or two shops, shops short of where I was getting now. Lady, a foreigner, I think she was British. She climbed in with a heavy laptop bag. And she says, and I asked her, would you like me to help you with the bag? Shall I carry it? She says, no, no, it's thank you very much. It's very light. Obviously, it wasn't light. I realized she was being polite and I kept quiet. And the same week, I was returning one day when I saw a young Indian girl pregnant, fully pregnant, carrying a heavy bag. I asked her the same question. May I carry or shall I carry your bag? She said, oh no, it's very heavy. Now, the same question, but different answers. One culture looks at it as, I don't want to trouble you. The British people look from their point of view, I don't want to trouble you. But 
the indian culture that girl was looking up from my point of view you know she was looking at from my side thinking oh this is a older lady how can i make her carry such a heavy bag so the thing is culture definitely has a plays a part in interpreting the way language is used so awareness of cultural differences is a big help though unconsciously all the time we don't like since we belong to one particular culture all of us we've had our own culture it's so difficult to get rid of that and look at it from another person's point of view it has to be a cul- studied effort you have to make an effort to look at it from and that happens the more and more you are exposed to another culture you live abroad you learn to understand these differences <laughs> Well I have a follow up question to that. So when you say there are uh, participants from various cultures so then how do you go about customizing a a module for them? You see um, I have had uh, one experiences one very staunch experience where half of them were from one culture the other half were the other. Generally we have one or two people you know when we we may have one or two from a different culture. So at that time it's um, easy to ask the person to share their examples. For example you have somebody I remember this also one girl from Brazil had come and she was uh, she was 30 31 I forgotten her name Eliza or something and while I was doing a British English class she said um, ask I said Indians generally ask personal questions many cultures don't like it for example this girl he said she said there is one there was this girl who asked me a indian girl who asked me are you married and I said no she said oh then I asked her Are you married and she said yes then i said oh married so young so <laughs> it was a very interesting story because i could realize that uh, that girl definitely did not think it was anything of someone else's business to know whether she was married or not but indians we really don't mind we don't mind asking are you married do you have children how much do you earn all these now people are getting a little more wise or i would say little more careful but uh, it was not considered something wrong even today i'm sure many of parents must be getting these questions why is your son not married why is your daughter not married as if it's a great crime so i mean this is uh, culture so culture and communication is really very very interesting you have some fantastic stories and so many things which you can share but especially uh, this one particular class i had where half a dutch and half a indian that was really interesting and um, i created questions where there would be a lot of interaction so that people learn from each other you see in a class it's only very little a person learns from the trainer all of learning is due to peer learning peer influences so when you are taking a class of mixed cultures it is a challenge preparing but you just have to keep both the th- things in mind you know a kind of a proportion but when you travel for a conference and there you find so many different kinds of people since you the, the culture is generally trainers when i go for conferences or generally their professional culture comes to play it's like if you're taking a group of it engineers they all have the same culture if you're taking a group of business english trainers their professional culture overrides their personal culture organizational culture otherwise Yes so so uh, the cultures are not just uh, you know geographic not geographic culture alone you have each one has a national geographic culture you have your professional culture you have your gender sometimes you know biases and things like that so there are a lot of other organizational cultures which you follow when you are working in an organization so there's a interplay of individual as well as national cultures in in every situation Uh so moving on this gets me to the question of the scenario that we're in what do you think about being a business english trainer and consultant during this pandemic uh do you think there are more opportunities which one can explore considering uh, crisp communication is vital for any business today i think it's true that um this pandemic 
has really taken everything out of gear. People have all moved out of their comfort zones. The thing is, what I find about the thing is you really cannot plan anything. But it definitely has brought about that crisp communication is very, very important for business today. Whether it's a meeting or um, whether it's a writing, whatever it is, whoever it is, they have to have crisp communication. But having said that, you know, this is again cultural. Indians never had a personal time and work time. The blur, they, they, they could always, you know, there was no strong division. This is my personal time. This is my work time. And But it was not as bad as it is today. Today, there's no personal time at all. Since all of you are working from home, there is a total mix-up of your personal time and your professional time, which is very, very difficult. That is more difficult to handle than communication problems. Because I think um, all of them, people are coping the way they want. And they realize that written crisp communication is important. But looking at a screen for so many hours, I really feel sorry for the present generation which has to work. But as a freelance trainer, I can choose how many hours I'll be in front of a uh, TV. And that also you have to decide on how many hours. Are the people are really keen to do any learning webinar over face-to-face learning? Yes, some people find it interesting. It depends on their age. Also, the younger people, are they don't mind. It's also the need. How many of them think a need for good communication now? So it's, I suppose it, crisp communication is definitely vital in a virtual world business. There is no doubt about it. The crisper your communication, it'll be much better. But training, giving time for training may be much lesser in today's pandemic times. People may not like to go into another virtual training now after their virtual experiences of office spaces. May much lesser, I feel. So I don't know. There are trainers who work full time. There are trainers who still conduct classes. But I was never that kind of a person. You know, I was always a person who did amount of work which she wanted to do. I always set the parameters of how much I'm going to work. So it's not, uh, so for me, it hasn't really, though I have, uh, I do training even now. That's what my husband complains. I do, I'm in front of the computer at least one hour a day, on an average of one hour a day. So we do do training, but uh, that's fine. That's life, I suppose. And Chris communication is definitely, definitely important. And we can never plan anything, which I'm not plan long term. Absolutely. I think that's the beauty of, uh, you know, being a a freelancer or a consultant because you get to choose your time and your projects and the amount of time that you want to put in. So I think think that's the beauty in it. So that leads me to the question of what are your current uh, projects and what are the plans for the future? What do you have in store for all of us? (laughs) Actually, right now, I'm doing a lot of free webinars for teachers. Whenever I do a free webinar for rural areas, participants or for teachers. I really don't charge anything because I think teachers have had a very tough time during this pandemic because many of them are not used to virtual training and they have learned all this technology first and then they have to make sure that the children do that much study something. You may have to encourage the children and it's so difficult even for parents to make kids sit in front. So anyway, so I do, I've been doing some free webinars for teachers and um, apart from that, I'm my personal growth, I'm writing. <laughs> I realize I never used to write so much when I was training. But now I realize that writing is such a pleasure. So I've started writing. I write a book. I started my website and I wrote things on my website. I plan to write at least, I write at least about uh, an hour a day 
so it comes to around uh, 500 uh, five or six days five six hours a week i do a lot of writing and i'm catching up on a lot of reading plans for the future yes uh, i really don't believe in planning during the pandemic but i'm sure there will be a time when we'll say into the planning i'll deal with things as they come i'm generally a person who deals with things as they come so i'm not really worried but what i'm doing with a friend of mine is we are uh, in india we have associations for so many things and so many business communication trainers are not language qualified not all language teachers are qualified to teach business because in business you need to know both business and the language so both so business communication we are starting a group called dolon gupta and i have called bcfai business communication facilitators association of india to bring together all business communication trainers so that they can benefit for their mutual benefit you can exchange of ideas exchange of work and we had earlier planned to have a conference but right now the conference may be postponed till the pandemic is over introduce learn from international trainers as well as indian trainers both everybody would have a chance to interact with each other learn from each other get a common platform for discussion of all topics so this is what we are doing we just opened a LinkedIn page will be opening a website. Our website will be ready soon, and then we have members, and then we plan to launch it in say about one and a half, two months, three months. If it's not face to face, it's going to be a web, uh, Zoom call, or whatever. We are still deciding on how to launch it, but it will definitely get launched. We are planning to bring because in India there are 125, I think, million people who speak English, who have some knowledge of English. but there are still that means only that's only about 1 or 2% of the population is still about 90% out of the 90% at least 50% want to learn english so we have all kinds of trainers we have trainers who are in schools training in schools training in colleges preparing for exams but there is no platform where all of them at least share ideas we do have lang- english language teachers eltai which does about language teaching in india english language teaching in india mainly professors and school teachers whose focus is very different but the focus of a business communication training is very different so that's what we are planning to do that is my present plan or the plan for the future uh, work wise yes as and when anybody has i do let me i will go whole hog once the pandemic is over because now even i we have to be careful I mean with respect to your association I think it's very interesting and I am excited I'm sure many of the trainers out there I'm sure they would love to join the association <laughs> once you launch it well coming to the softer aspects but of course <laughs> the important aspect as well so during this time I mean especially this pandemic uh, well-being is of utmost importance and I think that's what we spoke about as well so what is your workout routine like and and what do you indulge in apart from work actually you know i never um, i have all my life done some exercise or the other i remember starting when i was 20 so many years ago i used to do the jane fonda's complete workout then i did a yoga course i in 84 i started and learned yoga so what do i do these days i love cooking i i know it sounds terrible but then i am one of those old fashioned people who like cooking and we like three different meals we don't eat the same thing for breakfast lunch dinner we like to have a separate breakfast separate lunch separate dinner and the challenge these days i've been cooking so little that the food doesn't go waste because now you do can't really keep share it with anybody else i mean earlier somebody or the other so one thing is i do some cooking and then you know when you buy things nowadays whole regime of cleaning it putting it in and drying out the veggies all that take a lot of time cooking i'm fond of sewing so 
some more thing I keep stitching. I love reading storybooks. I do. I definitely have at least one or two books with me all the time. And the latest is today's. What I've got is Jeffrey Archer's Hidden in Plain Sight. I have uh, Evening and a Morning by Ken Follett. These are my light reading. I have heavier reading, culture map, all kinds of things. I've got at least 10 books, four or five books, which I can read at a time. Apart from the workout, I go for a walk every day, 20 minutes. Though we are not allowed to step out of the gate, but within the compound, I can walk what 40 minutes, 30, 40 minutes. And I have uh, yoga. I do yoga at least three to four times a week. So that's what keeps me. And I am a very staunch believer in prayer. So every morning I have a regime where I do about half an hour, 40 minutes of prayer. So my life is a sort of uh, regimented or disciplined. Once I get up at about six in the morning, I go to bed at 10. Watching TV, I don't mind. I like watching either one odd serial or one odd um, Netflix, some movie, something, but not more than one and a half hours. I really cannot watch TV for very long. Max is two hours a movie, some cricket these days. But um, generally, I just relax. I don't feel tired <laughs> and I don't feel depressed or anything. I'm a very happy person. Very happy in myself. I think we should be thankful for what all we have. Fairly good health, enough insurance and enough money to live well. So I don't think, uh, I I have always been a happy person. So I've not had so far any major problem with this. Only thing is I stop, I miss my walks. I used to go out of the house. But now I do inside the house. I time it half an hour, 40 minutes. I walk on the garden or upstairs in the terrace. I take a walk. But that's all. I don't step out of the house. (laughs) And I miss seeing people. And I have realized that you really don't need so many clothes which you have. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) So it's fine. A lot of realization, but it's been good fun. Um, And I'm thankful and I've been trying to help people who really need like my servant and I used to have a skull, her children's education and all that because I have someone to come and help me outside the house. Otherwise, it's okay. So this is what I do. I read a lot. I watch TV. Nothing very interesting. And of course, writing. That one hour of writing keeps me going. That's wonderful, ma'am. I mean, it's nice to know that, uh, you know, you're engaged with something or the other throughout the day. I think that's that's good to know. Uh, so we come to the end of our episode. Uh, so there's this section which I call it as the pruner spotlight section. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. It can be on the personal level or the professional level. So you can answer to me either in a word, couple of words or a sentence or two. It, it's left up to you. Fine. Okay, so let's get started. Yes, yes. Go ahead. All right. Uh, what is the one thing that motivates you to go about every day? Believe in myself. Actually being thankful for what we have. Okay. All right. My second question is, which is your favorite book or which book inspires you? There are a lot of books which have at different times of my life, different stages in my life. I've read a number of books which have inspired me. But that one book which still inspires me, which have is um, called Markings. It's Markings by Dag Hammersdjold. Book was published, I think I got the book in 1974 as a birthday gift. But that is... Writings by Dag Hammersdjold, who is was the second UN Secretary General. He was a stock Swede, Swede, I think. Yeah, very short snippets to sayings, which I that book really has had a greater impact on me than any other book. Apart from that, I also liked the recently the books among the books which I read and I really liked was The Difficulty of Being Good by Gurcharan Das. That also is a take on Mahabharata. It's a very interesting book. Actually, if you look at it at everything, I have some book or the other which I have liked. Culture, among all the culture books, I really liked a book called Culturally Speaking by um, Helen Spencer Oti, which was actually a take on culture. So 
I think I've read so much that it's not fair to say fiction this way, non-fiction this way. A lot of books. And those days, Ayn Rand and then Solzhenitsyn, nowadays Jeffrey Archer, Ken Follett. I like the Ken Follett's World Without End. It's also a very good book. So a lot of books, fiction, non-fiction. I read a lot, but Daghammer's Joel till today is my favorite. I'll be sure to read it as well. So moving on, what is your Ikigai? So Ikigai is the reason for your being. What is the one thing that you do no matter what is happening around the world? Something that you enjoy doing no matter what? Reading a book. Wherever I am, I do. Reading and second would be prayer. Some prayer every morning. Irrespective of where I am in the world, some reading and some praying I do every day. Okay, perfect. Could you name one person you look up to? It could be on a personal level or a professional level. Uh, who has helped you on your journey as a as a consultant, as a business English trainer? In my work, I wouldn't say one person, but um, apart from TCS, I have still BISIC and the people there have helped me to grow. Personal level, my husband has been always very encouraging of whatever I do. So I don't think, I mean, that sounds very cliched, but it's a fact. He has always encouraged whatever I've done. And I don't think of anyone else who's encouraged me more in what I do. Like, I am very shy of pushing myself forward, but he has never, he's always been very proud of my achievements and always very, he's never felt ever threatened by whatever I've got. He's been very helpful and he has been really, and my children also, but in a lesser way, I wouldn't say inspiration, but they have also been always supportive. In fact, the word I would use is supportive. They've all been, my family has been very supportive. Okay. All right. What is one takeaway you want to give the audience? Any tips, any lessons to the new pruners or the ones who are already on this journey? I think you should enjoy what you do. If you enjoy what you do, money will automatically come. First is to enjoy what you do. But that doesn't mean like, um, if you really want also money, and enjoyment and everything. Sometimes your uh, passion should on, could only be your hobby. For example, you may you may love pottery, but to get eke a living out of pottery is very difficult. You may love photography. To eke a living out of photography, you have to be absolutely passionate. It's very diff- It's not so easy. Any of the creative fields to get make a living out of it is very difficult. So unless you are really very creative and brilliant, if you are happy in what you do, then generally you can get what you want. But if you're running after, it doesn't work. And second, one is first, you have to be happy in what you do. Secondly, you have to set aside time for your physical well-being. If you don't take care of yourself physically, mentally, you're not going to be alert to do anything else. I've known young people moving into diabetes at the age of 40 because they were so after making money, running, work, etc. You can't say, I'll make all my money and then I'll relax. Life doesn't work like that way. You can't work till 40 and then start relaxing at 45. Impossible. You have to set aside time for it has to be your life has to be well balanced. Make sure your life is well balanced by what you eat, by what you do, and getting yourself a me time, even if you have children and things like that. Especially for women. You should have some time set aside for yourself. And if you if you have a balanced life, I think life uh, the rest things will carry on. You'll even be able to handle if you don't have money. If you are running after only one thing in your life, then uh, your rest of the other things are going the other things are going to get take a hit. But if you have a well balanced life, You'll be able to handle everything and have confidence in yourself. And don't expect everything, you know, very in a hurry. Everything comes only every 
profession comes with practice every skill comes with practice whether it's cooking clean even a thing simple thing like cooking comes with practice so don't be in a hurry to get what where reach where you are because once you reach where you want to reach after that the life will get very boring because you won't know where to go i always feel sorry for people who achieve great things at a very young age because there are no more challenges in their lives so having a challenge in your life even if you have not fulfilled it is very good because then it has some motivation for you to go on i think basically you need to be look after your health set aside time for exercise and relaxation if it's music dancing photography reading anything which you enjoy doing apart from what you work for a living set aside time for yourself and treat people as human beings not as mere means you know if you're working if you're running and your company then people who work with you are human beings this reminds me of a philosopher who said treat every rational human being as an end and never as mere means this was uh, human beings have are people in themselves so if you are learning to treat people well life goes on i hope i've been helpful because i am not the real ideal pruner who has been rich i'm a very happy person basically that's what we want i think happy people who are making a difference i think that's what it is because i still have a lot of uh, my old students keeping in touch with me even after 30 40 years yes right one one last question yes what is your definition of success my definition of success see money is important recognition is also important i would say 50 40% happiness 30% recognition and 30% money all the three are required for success great so as we come to the end of the episode um just want to know like how can one reach out to you you can send me a email Uh, my email address is lalita.murthy@gmail.com you can get in touch with me on linkedin profile my linkedin profile is public I, even my facebook pro- profile is public anyone can get in touch with me write a email fine and I'll, i always reply within 24 hours because this is what i teach in business communication you should reply emails within 24 hours of you getting it anyone sending me an email i'll definitely reply within 24 hours so thank you so much again I will surely share these links in the episode description. You know, thank you for making time and sharing your story, the insights. I have got a lot of key learnings for myself from your journey. So it's it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on my show. Thank you Shweta. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Some key learnings for me has been to explore the opportunities which come by know and understand who is your target audience and what do they need communication isn't about language and writing alone it is much more than that and culture does play a part be it geographic professional or organizational and keeping oneself healthy in both body and mind and indulge in what you enjoy to do Do share what your key learnings were from this episode. If you liked the episode and felt this had some value, then please comment in the description section and also share the link with your friends. Likewise, you can comment on Instagram or take a screenshot of the episode and post it on Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag me @shwetasikrish. Invest in yourself as this is the best insurance you can have. no matter what life throws at you